Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. It is the Hoffman Show on a day, April 13th. 2023 that you will likely remember for the rest of your life what's up what's happening my name is craig hoffman and after 24 years nearly a quarter century and more than a quarter of this franchise's rich history dan snyder is on the verge of being gone as first reported by Sportico, Snyder has agreed in principle to sell the Washington Commanders for $6 billion to a group headed by Josh Harris that also includes Mitchell Rails and NBA Hall of Famer Magic Johnson. He is, Snyder, undoubtedly the worst owner in the history of this town. He is probably the worst owner in the history of the NFL. He is one of the 10 worst sports owners in sports history, and a quick search of the internet has him pretty consensus in the top five. Worst here, though, is, is multifaceted. It is both on the field, off the field, and very off the field. On the field is obvious. Washington has mostly stunk during Dan Snyder's tenure, and much of that lack of success is unusually attributable to Daniel M. Snyder and the ownership level. Almost immediately it started with Charlie Casserly's departure to the big-name signings that failed miserably to a coaching carousel that can only be described as a carousel of failure. That cycle merely repeated itself endlessly outside of the Joe Gibbs 2.0 era. Mar- uh, Norv, Marty, Spurrier, Zorn, you know the drill. By the 2010s, he found a different way to interfere, which shaped his second decade of ownership on the field, personally screwing up the quarterback position. Hey, look, new trick. First, it was Donovan McNabb. Then it was giving up an unheard of return for the number two pick to take Robert Griffin III, and then empowering Griffin to be the most powerful person in the franchise instead of the two-time Super Bowl winning head coach that you had hired to run the football operation. And uh, unbeknownst to the time, in doing so, you were alienating a top five future coach in the league, obviously talking about Mike and Kyle Shanahan 
if you haven't put that together. It turned also the most magical, successful year of Dan Snyder's ownership, that 2012 season, into something that we look back at as the start of a disaster. Kirk Cousins was there to save it, though. And then Dan messed that up. While Bruce Allen was the one playing hardball, Dan was the owner of the team. He could have stepped in and gotten a deal done with Cousins. He didn't. Kirk walked as soon as he could. The Alex Smith trade was made from the top, whether it be Bruce or Dan, without real consult of the football folks. And while Alex's injury turned the tide of the franchise in a way that no one could have seen coming, no one thought the trade was a smart move at the time, and there was a clear ceiling that was below the stated goal of returning to glory, even if Smith had never gotten hurt. It was Dan who pushed to draft Dwayne Haskins, if not just pulled the trigger on it himself. I know this for a fact from talking to people who were in the room. He repeated the same mistakes he did with Griffin, too. And if that wasn't enough, a lot of folks will tell you he's repeated many of those same mistakes with Chase Young, a non-quarterback and much less controversial draft pick at the time, but someone who perhaps was given too much leeway and in turn might feel exempt from the larger culture many of the good football people have tried to build. And that enough would make today something worth celebrating. That track record alone of mediocrity at best, debacle at worst, and the uncanny ability to cycle through it in a wide variety of different ways is reason enough to be happy that Dan Snyder is soon to be no longer running the franchise. But if we're being honest with ourselves, that's just the surface. That's the frustrating but non-embarrassing stuff. Nevertheless, the truly dark. A quick rundown of off-the-field missteps. July 2000. Snyder makes Washington the first team in the NFL to charge fans to attend training camp practices. $10 admission, $10 parking, come watch us practice. September 2001, the team sells Pentagon flag hats at $23.99 apiece for profit and also adds a mysterious $4 security charge after the tragic events of September 11th, according to a report from Washington City Paper. Another part of the Washington City Paper expose on Snyder documents how the team sold bags of peanuts at the stadium originally intended for distribution on Independence Air, an airline that went defunct the year before. That was September 2006. Fast forward to October of 2008 when Snyder, through WFI Stadium Incorporated, files one of his 125 lawsuits against season ticket holders who were forced to default on their 10-year $5,000 agreements after being hit hard by a two-year recession. According to the Washington Post, they were sued for a total of $3.6 million, with the team ending up winning $2 million in judgments. That comes despite Snyder's claim that there were at least 200,000 people on the season ticket wait list at the time. We'll skip over a couple of embarrassments. Let's go September 2010. Snyder and Allen... Uh, go against the league directive to not use an uncapped season for future salary cap advantage. The result is a $36 million cap penalty, a hit to be taken in 2012 and 2013. But at least Dan got to do that one with his good friend Jerry Jones. Yay! Over the next decade, Snyder continues to employ and empower Allen through multiple power struggles. Scott McLuhan, remember him? Brian LaFamina, remember him? And that all happens despite the fact that there are multiple embarrassments, mostly attributable to Bruce, if not Dan, on and off the field. 
The fan base plummeted and poor business and football decisions compounded to turn FedEx Field into either an empty, lackluster environment or an opposing team's home game, depending on the weekend. Through it all, Dan rarely granted interviews. He never felt the need to be accountable. He hid as he has until this very day, rarely ever speaking in public. And on the rare occasions he did, he stepped in it seemingly 100% of the time. Truly uncanny. From the, put it in all caps, I'll never change the name, to Happy Thanksgiving, he somehow lived up to being exactly as much of a failure as we all thought he was. And somehow the exclamation point of proverbial poop on his shoe was his last ever public statement as commander's owner when he told a Maryland Gaming Commission after requiring Carson Wentz, hey, we finally have ourselves a quarterback. Chef's kiss. Perfect. No notes. And with just all that, today would be celebratory. No more embarrassment? Great. Getting rid of someone who is objectively terrible at the job and running the business? Fantastic. Worthy cause of celebration. But today is more than that. Today is a championship-level celebration mixed with an incalculable amount of relief. Because Dan Snyder's ownership was more than bad. Dan Snyder's ownership was dark. There is zero question Dan employed bad people. Lots of them. Those people harassed and belittled employees who worked under them for over two decades. There were the senior executives that consistently made comments that were demeaning and dehumanizing, mostly to women and often in ways that would qualify as sexual harassment. There was a general frat house vibe that made the place hellacious to work in, particularly for those most vulnerable and powerless. Folks like Brian LaFamina tried to come in and fix it. They tried to come in, stand up for what was right, and change the culture. And they were repelled like a foreign substance entering the body, ultimately rejected rather than allowed to do the things that would actually change Ashburn for the better. And these actions had victims. These victims had real emotional trauma. Some are still dealing with the consequences. There were tears and ruined careers. Some were lucky enough to survive and graduate to better places. But imagine even what those survivors have to carry with them. Nevertheless, those whose lives changed entirely because of what they experienced. This includes at least two accusations of sexual assault directly levied at Dan Snyder. And while it is impossible to know the truth with 100% certainty, and Snyder denies the accusations, statistics say that men are more likely to be assaulted themselves than to be falsely accused. And considering Snyder's litigious and combative nature, it's no surprise that we didn't find about the, out about these accusations until years later, and any details of the 2009 accusation that was settled for $1.6 million are wrapped under a non-disclosure agreement. Ultimately, it adds up to today being great. Today is the day that generations of Washington fans have been waiting for, a day where they no longer have to feel embarrassed by their owner. While some were able to separate the team from the rest, many fans wrestled with the moral conundrum of rooting for the organization that allowed all of this to happen. And frankly, it was a question I asked myself a lot the last three years. How do I possibly talk about the football 
when all this other stuff is way more important in the grand scheme of life? Am I sports washing truly heinous behavior by debating again for what feels like the millionth time who should be starting at quarterback next week? Well, as of today, for the first time since that first Washington Post story dropped, we don't have to ask ourselves anymore. And that is liberating. We can simply ask, who's the right guy to start at quarterback? Probably save that one for next week, though. Got a lot more to talk about today. But it's why this fan base is indebted to the people who fought back forever. This does not happen without Melanie Coburn. This does not happen without Megan Imbert. It does not happen without Rachel Ingleson. It does not happen without Emily Applegate, the first person to put her name on accusations, the spark that started the fire that ultimately led to Snyder's ownership flaming out. In the weeks leading up to this moment, there were two things that I couldn't get out of my head, and both are versions of the same statement. It just didn't have to be this way. First, this never should have happened in the first place. Jack Kent Cook died in 1997, and by 1999, the NFL was tired of having a team in limbo. Snyder was originally a minority partner trying to buy the team, but after the original majority partners dropped out because they weren't going to be approved by the other owners, the NFL pushed forward with Dan Snyder. The thought was that he was young and he would help push the league forward. A closer look, perhaps, could have seen that Snyder was mostly a failed businessman. He had one successful venture, which gave him just enough money to buy the team. If you don't count the nearly $500 million he borrowed to help get the sale across the finish line and pay for the stadium. In an interview with Dan Patrick shortly after he brought the team, at the time Dan still with ESPN, he said blueprints are for Harvard MBAs. This is a direct quote. Blueprints are for Harvard MBAs. I dropped out of college. I don't have a five-year plan. I don't have a blueprint for almost any of my businesses. Now, you tell me if that's a guy with big plans for the future of the NFL or not. Rick Snyder, who covered the sale for the Washington Times at the time, and now, of course, is a columnist for us here at Odyssey, said if the NFL had had some patience and put the team back on the market, the franchise likely would have sold to Fred Smith, the founder of FedEx and future minority partner with Snyder. And it would have been the league's first $1 billion sale. Instead, they went with Dan Snyder, and here we are. Fast forward 20 years as Smith, Dwight Schar, and Bob Rothman go to the NFL and say Snyder's been mismanaging the franchise, and they have the proof. What does the NFL do, per reporting from ESPN? They side with Dan Snyder and essentially force the three minority owners out without doing any due diligence on their claims. Just months later, the toxic workplace culture pieces start to drop in the Post and the New York Times. And what does the NFL do? Do they immediately work to push Snyder out? By the way, at a time where the team is in between names, a time when a new owner could come in and completely reboot the franchise with a new name and a fresh start? Nope. They side with Dan Snyder. They eventually take over the Wilkinson investigation, but sign a common interest agreement with Snyder and then go back on their promise to publish a written report. The decision ultimately delivers or, or triggers Congress to get involved, which is how the second accusation of sexual misconduct against Snyder comes out from Tiffany Johnston and how the alleged financial impropriety gets in the hands of federal agents. It's a complete cell phone by the NFL. From start 
going with Snyder when more vetting and more patience could have led to a better outcome to finish. Trying to protect someone not remotely worth protecting and accidentally leading to his downfall with endless amounts of egg on their faces along the way. But the final piece of it didn't have to be this way is attributable to Dan himself. And I'm going to do something that we don't often do. I'm going to humanize Dan Snyder. Dan was born November 23rd, 1964 in Silver Spring, Maryland. His dad was a freelance writer. His family moved around quite a bit, including a stint in England, which made life reportedly pretty tough for Dan when he got back to the States. He was a shy, introverted kid who had trouble connecting with people because he was uncomfortable communicating with strangers. The one thing he loved more than anything else was the Washington NFL team. And like so many of you, he went to games at RFK and fell in love with the same exact things you did. The Rockets environment, the winning football, the legendary coach on the sideline, all of it. I've been told many times he's a maniacal fan. And even in recent weeks, as people have speculated, he would do all kinds of crazy things to sabotage the team on the way out. People inside the building have said he would never because he still loves the team. Which is why all of this in totality is frankly sad. Dan Snyder ruined something he loved. To truly love something, though, is to do what's best for it, not what's best for you. Yet at every turn, Dan Snyder did what Dan Snyder wanted. And as mentioned, Dan Snyder is very, very bad at business. I don't think it takes a psychiatrist to know there's some inner child stuff going on with Dan when it comes to this team. A kid who felt ostracized and had a hard time connecting with people could now have any of his heroes pick up the phone because he owned the team. Better yet, he got to be in charge. He got to have power. Instead of screaming from the stands about how the coach was a bum and the play calling stunk, he'd just send ice cream to the coach's office to remind him that Dan doesn't like vanilla. And then eventually he'd fire him. Rinse, repeat, minus the ice cream. Dan loved that he could have players, coaches, and other owners on his yacht. He loved being the man. That's, that has to be part of why he kept his circle so small. Anyone who could pop the bubble that he wasn't actually the man, but instead an extremely problematic failure, wasn't allowed in the bubble. Actually, someone recently told me that Dan was shown financial figures in the last few years of just how bad things were for the franchise, and he absolutely lost it through a full-on like temper tantrum child fit. Couldn't believe them. People have been scared to tell him because he's so combative and lived in such an alternate reality that these figures of the team he owned were new to him, and yet despite all the obvious evidence, hard for him to believe. And it just didn't have to be this way. If Dan Snyder had an ounce of humility to him and tried to hire people who were good at the jobs he hired them for, if he had treated people with respect, if he had the dignity to look at himself, to see the early failures that so many owners make and make corrections instead of repeating those same mistakes, we may not be here today, but we are. And we're here with a litany of tragedies, big and small in our wake, 24 years of Washington football, over a quarter of this team's storied history, all but wasted. Careers of players, coaches, and staff forever altered for the worse. 
relationships with all-time greats like Trent Williams soured to the point of no return. And all of it because no one had the foresight to think that a 34-year-old businessman with little track record of success and nowhere close to the funds to buy the team might not have been such a good idea. It didn't have to be this way. But it was. And now it's over. It's over, D.C. Dan Snyder has agreed to sell the Washington Commanders. The price reportedly around $6 billion, somewhere between 5.8 and 6, depending on which report you look at. It'll go to Josh Harris, who is older and has a pretty impressive track record, not only of business success, but sports ownership success. And so it appears the nightmare is finally over. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. And today it is our pleasure to welcome in our good friend, David Aldridge, the Pro Basketball Hall of Famer, D.C. native. Uh, and he wrote about Josh Harris buying the, the team. And, D.A., we, we had just scheduled to talk playoffs and, you know, do all the, the fun basketball stuff. But I do think the, to- the top story's changed a bit, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, a little bit yeah. yeah, so... Obviously, I'm actually curious to start there, though, kind of the crossover of, of you're someone who's who's covered D.C. sports now. I've been back home doing it for The Athletic for a number of years, but uh, long history in the NBA. You're so plugged in there. What is Josh Harris's rep? Who is the guy that just bought the commanders from your understanding of who he is? Well, you know, the, the people that have dealt with Josh Harris that I talked to for, for the piece of the last couple of weeks, say he's he is a really really smart guy like you don't have to worry about the commanders not having you know really cutting edge technology cutting edge information he's a big data guy uh obviously he hired sam hinky for a reason he brought daryl Morey in for a reason um because he likes data likes crunching the numbers um so whatever 
uh, if you like DVOA and numbers like that, NFL, then Josh Harris is probably going to be your guy. You know, like it's, he's going to be well-versed into all of the different types of stats and things and, and other things that he thinks can give his organization an advantage. Now, he works his people really hard. I mean, that's the, the, the overarching thing that I heard was that, you know, he really, really wants to know the answers. He wants to deep dive almost everything. Um, and if you can't give them those detailed answers, you're probably not going to be there very long. Um, so, you know, he's going to want to know why you're trading a draft pick. He's going to, he's going to want to know what the value of the pick that you're trading is and what the value of the pick you're giving, you're getting is. And, you know, is this contract, uh, a good contract or, or are we paying too much? Are we paying beyond market value? I mean, he's going to be on top of all of that sort of thing. Now he'll spend. You know, he spent, he, he gave Joel and B multiple extensions, uh, you know, big extensions, max extensions. You know, they, they, they were willing to bring in James Harden. I think they'd be willing to resign him, uh, you know, but James Harden may leave, but that's not because they won't pay him. Um, so he'll spend the money, but he wants to know what he's, what he's spending his money on. Uh, you mentioned the data analytics side of it, and you know you go back to the process, and and that was obviously very analytics t- driven. And it's not like when he got rid of Sam Hinkie that he went completely the other way. Like Daryl Morey is just analytics driven as as there has been. He's been at the forefront of that movement in the NBA and successful for a long time. How does that jive from what you've learned about how the Commanders organization has been run over the last decade or so since analytics started entering more of the football realm? I mean, I think they're you know better <laughs> you know they had nowhere to go but up right i mean so um i think they're better um you know i i think they will i think they'll be fine in that area i don't i don't anticipate that that being a problem um you know i i am not as versed about the inner workings day to day as as others are um you know i'm looking big picture um, I think the people that embrace that will, will find they can stay, and the people that resist that probably aren't going to be there that long because um, that's how he rolls. Um, you know, this guy, this guy founded Apollo Global. You know, like he is, he is a big, big picture guy. He is, he is going to expect results, and he's going to want to know why the results aren't forthcoming. And having said that, I do think he lets people do their jobs. I mean, he he was almost told to hire Jerry Colangelo when he fired Sam Hinkie and Jerry Colangelo and Brian Colangelo. And he let them do their jobs for a couple of years, but then, he, you know, he stepped in. He had no choice really after the Brian Colangelo kind of mess. Right. There was and, that. You know what I mean? That was just, you had to do something, but he went right back to another analytics guy. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of his tell. It's been his tell. Um, throughout his, his tender, um, you know, I think he will do the same thing with the commanders. And I think their player person people are going to have to be answered a lot of questions and their DM and their, you know, all of their pro person, all their pro scouts. I and mean, he's going to, he's going to drill down. He's going to want to know what's going on and why. No doubt about it. Uh, David Aldridge with a senior columnist, at the athletic, let's speak in a big picture. Let's rewind, zoom out all the way. What was your reaction when you heard the news that the, the deal was in place? There is an agreement. This is actually happening. And, you know, the deal is not done, but like 
we're over the biggest hurdle. I mean, it certainly seemed like that was the way it was going, right, for the last couple of weeks. It yeah. did not change. I mean, you know, once it became clear that Bezos was not going to make a bid, I mean, I think that was the one thing that people could not predict. You know, how can you predict what somebody worth $123 million is going to do? Like, you just have no idea. And so he was always kind of the stalking horse that could come in at any time and set it on fire. Um, and he didn't. So once he said, I'm out, I think he, you know, it certainly seems like this deal came together pretty quickly because this is the guy that I think Dan Snyder and the league want to buy, buy the team. I mean, you know, the NFL is very risk-averse, right? <laughs> they do not uh, take chances on people they don't know. They vetted Josh Harris. He tried to buy the Broncos. Um, he's a, he is a minority stake in the Steelers. They know this guy. He obviously has the money to do it. You know, bringing in Mitch Rails helps, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I don't think money is an, is an issue for Josh Harris. So, um, you know, it was a sense of, well, this, seems, this seemed like this was the way it was going to go for the last couple of weeks, and there's a finality to it. And there, certainly there is some relief, I think, because, you know, anybody that's lived in this town and been in this town for more than five minutes understands the the commander's hold on the city and kind of the splintering of the fan base over the last 25 years. You know, it's not all because of Dan Snyder, but a whole lot of it is because of Dan Snyder and the toxicity of the franchise that, that never seems to reach bottom. Every time you think, well, it can't get worse. There's something else that comes out that's worse. You know, like it's just, so you know, there certainly is a sense of relief that um, that maybe this franchise can sink or swim on its own, just as a football organization. You know what I mean? Like, you just want to judge them as a football team. And now you finally are going to be able to without having to hold your nose every time they do something good because you think, well, this will make Snyder look good. And nobody wants that because he's not a good person. He does not seem to be a good person. You know, his behavior is not that of a good person. So... Um, relief, I think, is, is the overarching emotion that, that I, I think most people who, who've been here for more a while have today. Yeah, it's so funny you say that, too, about, like, the, the football stuff and, you know, with the ulterior motives that feel like are at play and just, you know, can we just focus on the football? And it's like, yes, finally, we can go back to the same quarterback argument we've been having for also 25 years, if not longer. So at least we have that without the, the, the distraction uh, over, over you know, behind the curtain uh, of Snyder. Uh, and David, I'll ask you this. When was the first time, uh, or what is your first memory of Dan Snyder? Or maybe more aptly, when's the first time you remember having an opinion of Daniel Snyder? Oh, you know, I, I guess for me, you know, when he bought the team, I was kind of, career and going full throttle with ESPN and kind of had my head down and thought, oh, it's interesting that they this, this guy that's from here and says he's a lifelong fan, he's a young guy, so, you know, he's got money, so it looks like this this could be good, right? I think all of us thought that. And then, I guess it would, for me, it would be 2001 when he started as free agents, and you go, you go well, you bring in Deion Sanders and Mark Carrier and people like that, and you go, that, that really is not the way people tend to build NFL teams, you know, like we'll see if it works, but I'd be surprised if it worked because these are all kind of like 
guys that can't really play at the highest level anymore, but they're a name. And so you start to wonder if, if this guy is just more interested in shiny objects than really allowing, you know, building a football team. And then, you know, the Schottenheimer, you know, firing was just absurd on its face. Like, you just go, wait, wait a minute. He won eight out of his last 11, you know, with Tony Banks as a starting quarterback. I mean, he got this team to really buy in. And they're firing him? Like, I don't understand. Like, like they're, they're going in the right direction. And so that was, that was when it, I think the bloom started coming off the rose pretty quickly. Yeah, David Aldridge with us, of course, senior columnist from The Athletic, uh, here with us on the Team 980. So uh, let's say uh, old Josh Harris calls his Sixers PR guy and he's like, hey, you got you got David Aldridge's number? I want to give him a call. I know he's in D.C. now doing doing a bunch of stuff. He calls you up and says, hey, we're off the record, but I just want to pick your brain. What's the number one thing you'd have me do as, as the new owner of this team? What would you tell him? Build a stadium in D.C. <laughs> just like that, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think he wants to be beloved, and he may not want to be beloved. You know, guys that rich don't really care if they're beloved. You know, they got their own plane. You know what I mean? Like, they're not, they're not really interested in, in flying commercial, you know? So, um, but, yeah, I mean, I think if he wants to be beloved, he would figure out a way to build a new stadium um, on that RFK footprint. You know, in consultation with the with the neighbors and the neighborhood because you know that's 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 a lot for a neighborhood to deal with every every couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean that would be my suggestion if if you want to be you know the man, the man and on a white horse, that's that would I think engender a great deal of uh, happiness, rejoicing uh, amongst. Uh, a large section of the fan base. Not all, because some people would rather it be in, in Northern Virginia and some people would rather it be in Maryland. But but I think most people would be very pleased with rebuilding on top of RFK Stadium a new, you know, modern stadium that doesn't destroy the footprint of the neighborhood that it's in. Uh, what do you think this means for Ron Rivera, now knowing that it's Harris? I think it means he's got to win big next year to keep his job. I mean, I don't think that's any state secret, right? Like, I mean, the new owner wants – almost every owner in every sport wants to bring their own people in. They hire. Um, they, they they tend not to deal well with people they inherit. And so, you know, Ron is going to have to have a monster year this year, um, this coming season. And we don't – we obviously don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, – yeah, I mean, he's on the clock. Uh, everybody on the football staff is on the clock. they got to have – and it can't be like a 9-8 and eight season, you know what I mean, like or, or an eight, eight and, another 8-8-1 eight, eight and one season. they got to win 10, 11 games, make the playoffs, and probably win a game or two in the playoffs. Um, I think for him to feel secure that he's going to be able to stick around. Last thing for you real quick, DA. Um, obviously, Bezos loomed over this whole process, and his ownership would have looked – I mean, who knows what it would have looked like. This guy's got so much money that trying to compare him to any other owner in sports is is pointless because there's no one in his range. Uh, are you – do you have any, like, thoughts, feelings on, on – him not ultimately buying it considering he did hang over this process the whole time and what it would mean to have the richest owner in sports owning, you know, 
the the biggest team in town? I always felt, Craig, that, you know, Jeff, I, I, I believe this, you know, he owns the post, but I don't think he considers himself a D.C. person. I really don't. It's, you know, I, it, I think if you look, the coverage is much more national in scope than it is local uh, now at the post. So, um, and I've always felt like the, the move for Bezos, if he wants to get to the NFL, is to buy the Seahawks. You know, he, he, he's from Seattle. He obviously you know, made Amazon into a behemoth while he was in Seattle. Um, and that's a logical thing for him to do if he wants to be an NFL owner. Um, and and that team will be sold at some point by the estate of Paul Allen. I mean, that's kind of the, that's the, the estate is set up to sell the rest of the estate, including the, the NFL team. And so it's a matter of when, not if that team gets sold. Um, so, I, I've always felt like that made that was the move to me that would make the most sense for Jeff Bezos if he wants to do it. And I don't know Jeff Bezos at all. I don't know if he loves the NFL. I mean, he's in business with the NFL, but that doesn't mean he loves it. it doesn't mean he wants to own a team. I mean, he's, he looked into this one and obviously passed. So, um, you know, I don't think that there's regret on his part because he could buy the team anytime he wants by offering – dollars you know what I mean like he can do that um he, he won't but I'm just saying he has the wherewithal to buy anything he wants to buy you know um and so when he wants to buy something he's going to buy it and I, I assume that means an NFL team too yeah no that makes sense uh in terms of him it's gonna be curious when he you know if he does that when he gets in the league what that looks like but I do think that the commanders fell in tremendous hands um I think the more that this process went on the more I was kind of you know not not as a fan like I I didn't grow up here I don't I don't pretend that I did um but someone who certainly has a fairly outsized interest in the team uh considering what I do for a living um wanting this team to go to Josh Harrison, uh, seeing, you know, how he runs it, uh, considering how he's run his other team. So uh, it should be a fun ride. And uh, day one, I guess, is is ultimately April 13th, 2023. Uh, David Aldridge, you should read his column for sure. He's got a lot more on Harris uh, at The Athletic. So go to The Athletic and read there. David, always appreciate your time. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll have you back in a couple weeks to talk NBA playoffs as originally scheduled. Sure, Craig, my pleasure. Appreciate you. Absolutely. David Aldridge, everybody, senior columnist from the Athletic and or I should say Pro Basketball Hall of Famer. And um something DA said in there that I think is is really interesting. Um and in a way makes today for as big of a day as it is, and it feels big, it feels significant. I feel like there is a bit of an edge still about like, okay, well, it's not finalized. And because we have been burned so many times by Josh Harris uh, or by Dan Snyder, I should say, before, it's like, well, what, you know, Murphy's Law, what can go wrong? Still, there's time. Uh, it's it's almost like, I don't know, Anthony, if you've ever heard of this. Have you ever heard of the, like, families who have a family member, people that have someone die that they know? And they don't go to the funeral to celebrate the life. They go to the funeral to make sure the person's dead. Uh, you ever heard of that? That's actually crazy. No, I have not heard of that. Um, I mean, obviously, like, they know. 
they know they know that they're dead, but it's like, hey, we better go to the funeral to make sure. I want to see that box go into the ground. It sounds like a scene out of a movie, to be honest. It it does. Um, but I I've heard I know people who have done it. Like, you know, grandma was terrible. We hated her. She finally croaked. Yeah, we'll go to grandma's funeral, but we're kind of there. Family secret. Don't tell this to any of her friends, but we're kind of there to make sure. And that's what this feels like. That's a little bit what it feels like. It's like, we got to celebrate. It's done, right? He's actually dead. That's that's what today feels like. And I, I think what David said that I, I agree with wholeheartedly is like, today feels a bit anticlimactic because of that. There isn't some boom, official announcement, fireworks, parade. Like, it's been a slow roll. It's been a slow roll, including the news yesterday. Like, and some days you could say the most important day in this process is actually April 12th, the day that Jeff Bezos said, no mas, I'm not doing this. And then the next day, uh, the story breaks that, that it's done, that there's an agreement in place. And, you know, the bid is, is being finalized to be submitted to the league. And, you know, we thought it was going to be Harris all along. We'll see if we ever find out who uh, that mystery bidder was. We'll see if Stephen, Canadian Stephen A. stops talking eventually. But, like, there is this anticlimactic nature. I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. I'll peel back the curtain a little bit. Like, we've obviously been planning for this for a while. Like, it would be recklessly irresponsible for us as professionals not to. That includes what I wrote to that I that I said at the open of the show. Like, those words have been on a page for a while. They've been continually tweaked and updated and, you know, sat back down, obviously, before the show today. But this is a moment that I've been prepared for for a long time because it's been coming for a long time. We were in scramble mode, what was it, like like six weeks ago? That one weekend where everyone was like, you know, when, when everyone was like, hey, it's happening. It's... You know, the ball's inside the five-yard line, like JP said. Uh, you know, Grant was saying, hey, if it's, if it's you know, if your wife is pregnant, it's time to grab the go bag and go to the hospital. Like, we've been, we, we were scrambling a little bit then because it was like, oh, my God, this might happen faster than we thought. But since then, like, been ready. I'm sure David, like, David didn't write that column. It's awesome. You should read it. And I'm sure he's been continuing to research it over the last couple of weeks. But I doubt, like, the, the, the skeleton of that column uh, was written today, just fleshed it out. Because that's the nature of these things. Um, and ironically, in journalism, what a weird analogy I'm about to make. The closest thing I can think of to that is when people write for obituaries. Like, when when a famous person is dying, and they're old, or they're sick, whatever, the, the person who writes the obituaries for the New York Times, the Washington Post, the kind of places where famous people get obituaries, they don't go, oh, dead, time to write. You know, like Queen Elizabeth's obituary was probably written in like years ago, and it's just continually updated until she eventually passed away. She was 198, whatever she was, when she died. And that's what this feels like. The, the the era is finally over. The nightmare is over. The obituary can now be shared. But over the last few weeks, it's been written. Doesn't make it any less exciting. Check on. Oh, yep. Yep. Now we just got to wait for uh, the Dan Snyder era to proverbially go in the ground. <laughs> 